Thank you so much for joining us for Ankeny Gospel Church Podcast. On this podcast, you can find sermons, classes, and other resources that continue to invite us into the mission of Jesus and the journey of faith. We hope this is a blessing to you, and if we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out. Um, we're just going to dive right in. Welcome to the Study Notes Podcast. Uh, my name is Parker McGoldrick. We are in Psalm 2 today, Psalm 2. Um, it would help if you did have a Bible in front of you, but if you don't, I guess that's okay. <laughs> that's okay too. Not I guess, that is okay. So hello to wherever you are um, on this fine day. We've got a few comments um, on Psalm 2. I mentioned in the sermon that we were going to talk about a lot of the, specifically verse 7, 8, and 9 of Psalm 2. We are going to do that, but we're also going to talk about Psalm 1 and 2 together and how they actually form the 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 theology, the topics, the um, right way to read the rest of the Psalms. And then also like how they, I'm getting ahead of myself, how they kind of like, they're like the prelude to to the, the whole life of, of flourishing in the Psalms. So I'm going to start with an example. Um, if you like music or movies, actually, or books, honestly, any form of art, what they do is like in the first couple moments, so whether it's a movie and it's like the first couple scenes or I'm going to th- I'm going to think of like an orchestration, like an orchestra, they will have like a melody, a quick melody that they'll introduce Um uh, um, plays and like Broadway musicals are really, really good at doing this. They'll have a melody that they'll introduce. And then throughout the rest of the score, throughout the rest of the show, the play, the movie, the even the book, those themes, those melodies, those like uh, the things that they started with will be l- like traced throughout the entire thing. So you're watching a, a musical and you're halfway through it and you hear like a little reprise of like the initial melody that was on. You're like, oh, but then it's in the minor key a little bit later and something's happening. But you can still kind of like tell that it's there and it's the same thing as earlier. It's just beautiful. Movie, like the best art, literature, and music does this. Where they'll they'll introduce something right at the beginning and then they'll subtly remind you of it throughout the rest of their, um, uh, their work. Uh, to kind of bring you back and then when they end that's why like things that are like everybody like it's goosebumps near the end of a movie or a big musical number it's because they did such a good job at teasing that theme that melody that whatever throughout and then they finally got to the resolution and in a big huge way and everybody's like oh that was amazing psalm one and two is that melody in other words psalm one and two introduce themes they introduce characters they introduce pretty much everything that the rest of the Psalms tap into. They, it's like traced throughout the rest of the Psalms. And here, I'll, I'll prove it to you. Psalm 1. What's Psalm 1 about? Meditating on the law of the Lord and being like a tree. Guess how many Psalms. I don't actually have a number, but I'm just going to go for it. Guess how many Psalms there are that talk about the law of the Lord. A ton of them. Psalm 19, Psalm 119, Psalm 104, Psalm 95. Uh, Psalm 46, I kind of have a list here, but I'm also spitballing. Like, uh, like it's, it's, uh, it's near impossible to go through five Psalms and not see a single one of them about the law of the Lord or the instruction of the Lord or the word of the Lord or how good and beautiful it is. It's purer than honey. It's sweeter than honey. I don't know. 
uh, purer than gold. That's what it is. Purer than gold, sweeter than honey. Like that's what the, the word of the Lord is. And where do we find that theme originate? Psalm 1. Why do you think you're happy if, you're, if you meditate on the law of the Lord? Because the rest of the Psalms meditate on the law of the Lord. And they talk about that. Psalm 2. What's the theme of Psalm 2? Yahweh installing his son, the Messiah, as king above all kings. Guys, I can't tell you this enough. One of the biggest themes in the Psalms is the Messiah ruling and reigning the nations. Okay, real quick. I didn't think I was going to get into this, but now I've got to get into this. The Psalms, <clears throat> here we go. Psalms are divided up into five books. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before, but like at the beginning of Psalm 1, it might say book 1. And then after Psalm 42, or 41, right before 42, it'll say book 2. And then after Psalm 72, it'll say book 3, book 4, and book 5. So there are five books in the book of Psalms which, by the way, kind of um, uh, allude back to the five books of the Pentateuch, Genesis to Deuteronomy, and the five movements in Matthew that we're going through um, ever so slowly here at AGC. Anyway, so there's five books. Guess the, the last psalm in each book, so before each book concludes, the last psalm in each book is always about, drumroll please, the Messiah, the King who is installed on Zion by Yahweh, who will rule the earth. Is that not just, tell me that's coincidence. It's not. There's no way that's coincidence. That's like so, ama- that's, that's just amazing. Sorry, I had to move my mic there. And, and where do we get that? Where do we see it first? Well, we see it in Psalm 2. The Lord saying to him, to, to this son of God, you are my son, today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will give the nations as your inheritance. The very end of the earth is your possession. You will strike them with the rod of iron. You will shatter them like earthenware. And so what you have to do in response to that is pay homage to the son or kiss the son or he'll be angry and you'll perish in the way. So those are the two themes that are through the entire book of Psalms. Psalm 1 has a theme of the law of the Lord. That's through the entire book of Psalms from there on out. Psalm 2 is the Messiah of Yahweh, Yahweh's Messiah, Yahweh's anointed one, Yahweh's king who will rule forever in justice and love and peace and prosperity, all these things. And that's a huge theme through the Psalms as well. So Psalm 1 and 2 form a little like prelude or a preamble or a, or a, um, the melody. I like the, I like the melody. They form the melody that the rest of the Psalter is going to pick up on and like change a little bit and riff off of and do all these things psalm one and two if you guys have not memorized a psalm yet and you're looking for a psalm to memorize look no further memorize psalm one and two and then read the rest of the psalms like in your bible reading read the rest of your psalms with psalm one and two like also out in front of you and just try to find as many connections as you can i promise you i promise you it will take you the rest of your life to do it oh it's so cool that's the first thing we're going to talk about, how the Psalm 1 and 2 is kind of like the opening um, melody to the to the whole book of Psalms. That's the first thing. Second thing is the connections between Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. Um, it, it wasn't an accident that we decided to do Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, and it also wasn't an accident that Psalm 1 started with the word happy and Psalm 2 ended with the word happy. Isn't that cool? It's called an inclusio, where... Or like bookends, but the technical term is inclusio. I think it's Latin for like inclusion or something, whatever. And uh, literally the first word of Psalm 1 is happy. Uh, we learned last week it's ashrei. Ashrei is the Hebrew word. Ashrei ha'ish. Happy is the man or the person who doesn't do these things but meditates on the law of the Lord. And the very last word of Psalm 2 is all who take refuge in him are ashrei. 
This is also another theme throughout the Psalms as well. But Psalm 1 and 2, all this to say, Psalm 1 and 2 are meant to be read together. Here's the connections. It starts with happy or blessed, and it ends with happy or blessed or flourishing. Here's another connection. Psalm 1 ends, and it ends by saying this, the way of the wicked will perish. Psalm 2 ends by saying this, you will perish and you, uh, wait, pay homage to the son or he'll be angry and you'll perish in your rebellion. That's actually in your way. Hold on one second. Ah, okay. Sorry. That's annoying. CSB, uh, missed an opportunity here. Uh, so Psalm one ends with the way of the way of the wicked will perish. So you have the word way and you have the word perish. Psalm two ends with this phrase. You will perish. There it is again in the way. They, it's CSB says in your rebellion, but literally it's like in the way in which you walk. So it, it's clearly it's clearly uh, tying those two psalms together. The end of each psalm ends with this phrase, look, if you're wicked, if you're in rebellion, if you, that's the way that you're walking, the road on which you are walking, you will perish. There's another connection. Here's another one. Meditate. Meditate. Okay, so we have three connections. First is happy at the beginning of Psalm 1 and of Psalm 2. Second connection is the way that perishes at the end of Psalm 1 and the end of Psalm 2. The third connection is this word meditate. Psalm 1 verse 2 talks about, says this, Instead, his delight is in the Lord's, in Yahweh's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. We made a comment in our sermon that meditate isn't like this, you know, emptying of the mind, like this home type of a thing that we think of when we think of meditation. It's rather filling your mind with the things of the Lord, filling your mind constantly with the Lord's instruction. Well, guess what other psalm uses this same exact word, meditate? You guessed it, Psalm 2. Psalm 2, verse 1, and it's used in a really interesting way. Check this out. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot? in vain. You know what that word plot is? It's the same word as meditate. Why do the peoples meditate in vain? In other words, what's happening here? There is a direct contrast between those who meditate on the law of the Lord and those who meditate and are in in vain and are in direct rebellion against God. Uh, I can't, I can't stress this enough. Th- these psalms are teaching us how to live. You might be thinking here, like, well, why does this matter? Why does it matter that they both, they start and end with happy? Why does it matter that they both end with perishing in the way? And why does it matter that we're meditating on the, day, on the law of the Lord or we're meditating in vain? It matters because they are literally telling us how to live. One, do you want to be happy? I don't think anybody's going to say no to that. Two, what are you meditating? This is the biggest thing. What are you meditating on? Because you're meditating on something. You're either like Psalm 1 and you're meditating on the law of the Lord, or you're like Psalm 2 and you're meditating in vain with other peoples on how to throw off the chains and the ropes of God. And it's not like it's not like this is a thing that you do or don't do. It's not like you can choose to meditate or not meditate. You're we're all meditating. It's like the same way. You can't choose to like be stagnant in your life. There's no such thing as like just coasting. There's no such thing. You are either going forward or you are going backwards. You are either walking in the way of the Lord or you are walking in the way of the wicked. You are either meditating on the Lord's instruction or you are filling your mind meditating, talking about other things that are in vain that lead to destruction. You are either living a happy, flourishing life or you are not. 
That's it. I mean, guys, there's two ways to live here. Why do you think Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount was so adamant about the two ways? He's like, there's two gates. There's two ways. There's two, uh, you know, sheep. Well, there's the, there's the false prophets. There's all these things. He was reading Psalm 1 and 2. There are literally only two ways to live. That's it. You can walk with the wicked, stand with the sinners, sit with the scoffers. You can meditate in vain. You can take refuge in yourself. You can perish in, but you know what that leads to? That leads to perishing in your rebellion and perishing in the way of the wicked. Or you could choose to meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. You could choose to take refuge in the sun. You could choose to be wise. You could choose to receive instruction. You could You could choose to prosper. And guess what you're going to be like? You're going to be like a tree that doesn't die i.e. a tree of life, and you're going to have refuge when the day of the Lord comes. And guess what? You're also going to be happy. I can't say this enough. This happiness isn't about want. It's about the freedom of want. Happiness isn't this paper-thin thing that is based on our circumstances. This is a happiness that transcends everything. And guys, you've met people like that. So I'm getting all preachy here. You've met people like that. Who like they can't get down, and it's not this blind optimism. It's genuine. It's this genuine happiness that comes from literally knowing Jesus, and I want that. They got, but here's here's the point of all the connections in Psalm one and two. They're telling us how to live. It's instructional. It's wisdom literature. It's prophetic literature. It's messianic literature. It's about. It's about. It's telling us how to live now. That's uh, part one of this podcast. Part two is going to be much shorter, so don't hang up on me yet. Uh, I mentioned in Psalm 2, verse 7, 8, and 9, there's a lot here about um, uh, this son, this son of Yahweh who is um, installed by Yahweh on Zion. And he said, this is what uh, it says, verse 7, I will declare the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. By the way, this phrase, you are my son, is used in all the Gospels at Jesus' baptism, and then it's used at Jesus' transfiguration, and then at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, especially, it says that Jesus himself says that I have been given all authority, which is a direct reference to um, asking me and I will make the nations as your, your inheritance. But I want to look at verse 9. You will break them with an iron scepter and you will shatter them like pottery. One scholar talks about this phrase, shatter them like pottery, and he brings up um, in ancient Egypt, there was this practice, and I kind of, this is just fun food for thought. In ancient Egypt, there was this practice where um, in like the palace, the palace's like temple, they would have little um, pots of clay, and on the pots of clay would be the other nation's gods. So like, Egypt, you know, they were surrounded by, you know, Israel. And then, say, when Assyria came on the scene, they knew that, but whatever. They would have all these other nations' gods kind of drawn on these pots of clay. And if they were about to go into war, or if they were, like, wanted to, like, curse this nation, what they would do is that they would take these this pottery, these clay, this things of clay, and almost like a, like a, like a sign act, they would shatter this little clay piece of pottery to kind of, like, um, and like really empower the the warriors like we're gonna we're gonna uh we're gonna destroy them but also like to kind of pray to their gods like you know d- dear gods i don't know how they pray to their gods like do to them what we're doing to this clay uh clay pot 
basically sort of thing. So so what Yahweh is saying to this Messiah is you're going to do you're going to essentially do that. You're going to break them with this iron scepter. You're going to shatter them like pottery. All of these other nations all are like other like mini gods that aren't gods at all. They're just little clay pots. And what you're going to do is you're going to go around and you're going to smash them because they do not submit to the Lord and to his anointed. So anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. A cool little tidbit, if you will. Um, fun to ponder and think about. Um, I'm going to leave us with this quote. And um, it's a quote from... Oh, 5% battery. Yikes. Low power mode. It's a quote from J. Clinton McCann. This is about Psalm 2. This is kind of summarizing uh, a Psalm 2. The power of God is not the absolute power of a dictator but the power of committed love. In worldly terms, might makes right. But on God's terms, right makes might. The righteous, those who live under God's power and meditate on his law, i.e. what we've been saying the last two weeks in Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, will be vulnerable to the powers of the world, but they will never be without help. The striking claim of Psalm 2 is that true happiness Thanks again is found for listening, and we pray this was a blessing to you. If you have any questions or comments about so what you heard, you. our I email is info at inkinigospel.com, or you can find us on social media at Gospel. Meditate on it.